statement prior to the game, address his team, and say, finish the story. What a remarkable story it was here today. Instant classic. That's how we're describing the 105th edition of the Great Cup. Welcome to your post-Great Cup edition of the Waggle. Chaz Sobalski. Wow, 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 wow. And uh, thank you so much for everybody. Uh, we had a chance to say hello uh, over the last few days in the nation's capital in Ottawa just to say what's up. People telling us they love listening to the podcast, they love listening to The Waggle, whether they're subscribers on iTunes, which is free, by the way, if you aren't subscribing already, or listening on CFL.ca. Uh, what a week, Chaz. What a week here in Ottawa. As we sit here in the in the hotel overlooking the city here, and, and, and yes, it's, uh, it's foggy outside, it's foggy in my brain <laughs> after a long week, uh, but uh, yeah, so many, this is... This is hard to digest. I mean, in, in so many ways. Like you know, I went to bed last night with so many different feelings. You know, as a, as a fan, as an ex-player, um, as as a media member. You know, it's, it's just you want to celebrate, uh, and you you celebrate this Argo win and and just how how great this is for Ricky. And we'll talk about his level of greatness and where we where we put him in a bit. And you talk about Matt, the Matt Black story, of course, the guy who was cut and and you know probably done football, the guy who's you know, as a, as a as a was a backup guy and, and uh, you know and so a teamer this year at, at times and and a guy who they signed signed back and and he ends up making the play that uh, that seals the Grey Cup for his team. What a what a moment that is! Emotional. I was standing next to him on the field and and I'm friends with Matt and I, and he just looked at me, didn't say a word, just looked at me and just shook his head and his, you know, his eyes were got swole up and my, mine were swole up. Just, just, uh, nothing to say, but just, wow. And, uh, and then of course the Tressman, Tressman and, and pop situations, it's just a whole lot of stories. And then you look at Calgary side and, and Dave Dickinson, I mean, his, his short presser, uh, was the word him and Sarah Oleski from TSN spoke. Uh, I just watched that interview and the raw emotion in that was, 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 uh, was real. It's there's so many you feel good for the Argos because this was a team and and I, I use this analogy in a few post game interviews referencing the Argos kind of the the island of misfit toys from the old Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer classic from so many moons ago but you now Jim Pop gets the boot in Montreal and how many people how many critics say hey, it was time for Jim Pop I mean the franchise had eroded um, you know. Mark Tressman, from his own standpoint, goes to the NFL and, you know, it didn't click the way I think he hoped for, whether it was in Chicago or with the Ravens. And, you know, he's coming back to the CFL. And that's going to be tough, too, for him. Yeah. yeah that, 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 whole, that whole situation. And, it's, and you know, that's going to heal. We talk about Calgary's heart being broken. That's what Dave, Dave said. But his, his heart was probably broke from this, and that will help heal that a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, Matt Black, like you said, and I remember – us specifically talking about Matt when he got cut and just, you know, the two of us just saying, Hey, keep your head up, man. Like, I know, remember, I people. remember you say, I, re I can remember exactly what you said that, Hey, here he's a good, a, a good player and an event and somebody will pick him up. I remember you saying that yeah. so somebody did pick him up. <laughs> yeah. And they won a great <laughs> yeah. cup thanks to it. So, uh, but Matt Black, Bear Woods, 
You know, Bear Woods this time a year ago is a Defensive Player of the Year nominee out of the East, gets cut right before the start of the season, which is probably the worst possible time to get cut because you can't really go shop around. It's like, uh, you know what? We like you, but we're kind of full. Sorry. Uh, Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, You know, so many guys across the board. And for the Argos to come away and and find this victory, and I think to look at it going, how did they do it? Because, Chess. The Argos got their butts kicked in pretty much every facet yes. of the game outside of maybe three plays. Add that to the list of all the things we said. We don't know how to think about this game. I still don't know how to process this game. They they did. This numbers stats wise, they got they got whooped and not whooped. Like they got beat. They got beat pretty good uh, in almost every statistic. But this is football, and there's there's some key statistics. And you know, my keys to the game before the day before on CFL this week. Uh, you know, and I was trying to find like what's gonna you know determine this game, and and what's and I and my uh, you know my my key point in, in that and our show with Brody and Max, and actually it was uh, Jay Onright was with us uh, the day before the game, and the key point was was turnovers, but not turnovers because that's we know that's a pretty pretty obvious in every game of turnovers decide. But I said that the lucky bounces, the tips. Like if there's a ball bouncing around the ground, who's gonna grab it? If there's a tip, uh, tip ball. I said the Argos have to grab those because I just thought from, you know, just from a pure across the board, uh, you know, experience and talent, I just thought that Calgary um, was better than them. So I just said those weird tips and bounces and anything like that, if Calgary can grab a couple of those, if those don't go Calgary's way, they're not going to, or Toronto's way, they're not going to win. And lo and behold, that's that's what happened. And, and that, uh, that cash is Vaughn playing. Let, let's go right to that, James. Let's talk about the Kamar Jordan and let's talk about, let's talk about the conversation that, uh, that everyone's talking about no. with, with Mark Way McDaniel and, and, and Kamar Jordan. Well, I mean, heart's in the right place, right? I think the heart's in the right place, but the head clearly isn't, I think, on that play to go down and to storm down that field because you've got you've got them right where you want. Heart's in the right place, head's not. In regards to who? What With Kamar Jordan. Kamar, okay. <clears throat> you know, try to make that extra effort. You know, I, I think the obvious is for everybody to say, you know, go down, go down, go down. Why are you trying to scrap for more yards? But... His heart's in the right place. He's scrapping. He's fighting for his team. Chess, it's uh, to me, it's a hard one. I get where everybody's so critical of that guy, but how can you be so hard on a guy who's trying to win the game for you guys as a team? To go to exactly what you said, his heart's in the right place. To, to answer to answer that, Marquay commented exactly that because a reporter asked him, hey, don't you feel like he's just fighting for extra yards trying to make a play? And Marquay's comment is, quote, hell no. Uh, and he said, "He said uh, we don't need extra effort right then. Hell no, hell no." Um, and and the point is, we all understand that you're trying to make yards, trying to make plays for your team. But at that point in time, that's actually selfish. And I'm not going to call really? on Kamar Jordan's part. And I'm not going to call Kamar Jordan selfish because he, he might not have been conscious of what he is doing. But mm-hmm. really, that's selfish because you. Trying to, and he had a good game. He had a really good game. And yeah. I, like I said, I'm going to say this again. I'm not calling Kamar Jordan selfish. I don't think what he did was selfish in the scheme of how he's thinking. But in a football sense, in that situation, you trying to be get an extra 10 yards or you trying to put the ball in the end zone or whatever it may be, you're sacrificing your team's chance to win a great cup. At that point in time, be selfless and t- put, tuck the ball. Don't try to get an extra five yards, three yards. Get your butt down. And make sure your team gets a score. Be conscious of the situation. And that, to me, 
that's why he's saying that. And, he, and Marquez made a comment, and I was with everyone else when I left the stadium yesterday. Like, damn, what's Marquez doing? We even said in our analysis, yeah. James, we said, that's not like Marquez. He's a vet. He's a, he's a leader, well-respected guy. It's what was not, your thought? What was your what was your thought? There was another there was another former All Star player that we were talking to after the game, and the first thing that you guys both thought collectively was like, "Is this maybe this is personal?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like for somebody to be that critical of somebody in the room, I've never heard of anything that outright. It's the Grey Cup. It's the Grey Cup. Like you're, I, I understand everything that Marquay is. I, I I get the logic. I get the logic. What you're saying too. But it's the Grey Cup. How do you not want to? You're every. You have no. There's no more games after this. This is it. This is the last minute of this game that you're trying to get down and maybe win it. What, what do you What are you saying that you're you're? This is you have. This is the Grey Cup. This is the last. Are you saying the effort? Yeah. It's not effort though. This is where. We're, this is where. This is how how I see it. It's not an effort situation. It's. Everyone's there's five minutes to go in the Grey Cup, right? At that point in time, it's not an effort situation. It's about everyone's trying. Everyone's everyone's playing the for. The, they'll do you'll know, run, run through a brick wall run, for, to do anything at this point in time to win. You'll do anything you can. It's not that. It's being conscious of the situation and doing everything you can within within the capacity, but your mental capacity of being uh, being in tune with the game situation. And that is putting two hands in the ball. That's where the effort comes from. In that spot, see ball. It's not about trying, running hard, jumping high. It's about using focusing your your each effort um, on every play. Like Tressmanism is one play at a time. And focus on that play. And don't see the big picture. Maybe Kamar, at that point in time, when he's spinning and fighting for extra yards, is picturing an MOP. Or you know, being the game hero and not and, and that's three four plays or five minutes down the road, not that play one play at a time, and that's what I mean. And it was, so we, we didn't finish what. Oh, sorry, go ahead, James. No, I just, I just to me, it's more just. I feel for the, to- I feel for, I feel for the guy because I feel like a lot of people in that spot in that moment. I guess look, it's easy to say recognize your surroundings and all of that, but to me, I just feel that. The guy was trying. The guy was trying to make a play and trying to get those extra yards. You know, what does that mean? You know, it was cold out there. It was cold. The wind was starting to blow a little bit. And not that it was, I think, incapacitating, but you're just trying to get every yard you can to put your team in the best possible position. A week before, look what was happening in Calgary in the West Final, trying to kick a field goal. How many times did we see, you know, whether watching those kicks being perfectly hit and then all of a sudden taking the big hook going left and right based on the wind swirling around and you know, you know maybe in, there's in, that in, rationale in where 19, he's trying to get down there you know in 1996 there was a kick that winnipeg had and this wind blew it away out the out of the goalpost shoulda coulda woulda right no i'm just wondering what you're talking about last week's win for but 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 the, no but to, not talking about to, after us going for fajitas or, or, or you know a lot of beans uh, last week a lot there was of wind a wind, going on the wind was blowing winnipeg three weeks ago no to, to, to finish what mark way said though yeah. and, and this is what he said so he said that and uh and he and this is what he said this morning on twitter which was I, I left the stadium and we didn't I didn't finish this part but we left the stadium James and mm-hmm. we said we said you know that I can't believe Barque was, was is saying that type of stuff I didn't condemn him I just we thought and like we said another ex-player well-respected ex-player we ran into on the way home and we both said 
well, after we heard Marquay's comments and we said, hey, there might be something else, something deeper with this, meaning like there's an issue with these guys in the locker room, not personally, but with, well, yeah, personally. Maybe. maybe yeah, personally with, the, with no, a few guys, though, I thought. Yeah. There might be, when you're hearing guys saying that type of stuff and not and not standing up for their teammate, at that point you think there's some something going on with teammates where they're not fully, uh, fully loving each other in the situation. Now, uh, this morning when I wake up, I, I don't think that anymore. I take that. You know, that thought kind of goes away a little bit by what Marquay said on Twitter this morning. And it made sense. He said, he said, you guys are too sensitive on Twitter. He said, if I, if I fumble that ball, I would say it's a stupid play too. And that makes sense because now we're all saying on, on social and when we're talking, wow, he threw him on the, on the bus saying it's a stupid play and it costs the game and it's stupid. Sorry, not cost the game. Saying it's a stupid play and put two hands in the ball, it's a stupid play. Now we're saying he's throwing him under the bus. Marquay's like, I didn't throw him under the bus. I just said it's a stupid play. And a day later he says, it's still a stupid play. And if I made that play, I'd say it was stupid too. So in that sense, it, 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 I understand a little bit more. And especially 20 minutes after a game, you know, saying those things. You know, a lot of stamps didn't want to talk. A lot of stamps were critical in that sort of moment. Do you have an issue with a lot of those players not wanting to talk? And it's the heat of the moment. I get it. Guys maybe want to bite their tongue. But uh, to me, it's like when when you're when you're riding high and you're willing to talk, that's great. But when the going gets tough, the tough suddenly get going. It, it, is that not a measure of character sometimes? Like, I'm sure Dave Dickens, you know, I'm sure Dave Dickinson probably didn't want to get up there and talk. But when you're the coach of the team, you're the captain of the ship, you kind of have to address things, right? And that's, and I think, par for the course for everybody, you know. You accept the good, you accept the bad, that's life. It's hard sometimes to face those, but for people to just sit there and blow off their responsibilities, especially the Grey Cup. Dave, Dave's, Dave's quote after, and you may make a great point, that's, this is the character of Dave Dickinson that we always talk about. And, you know, my old, my famous my famous one, James, and you, you've, you heard me say it a million times, you're probably, you're probably sick of hearing me say it, but I always say, the, the test of a true man is when things aren't going well, how you respond, and, and that's, how I, that's how I judge my friends and, and people that, I want to surround myself with is when stuff's not going well. How are you? Are you, is you still, you still use your character still intact? Are you still, don't talk to are me. You still that man. And that's how, cause that's how, that's the only way you can really test someone's true character. Mm-hmm. And, and Dave is, is a classic, a classic like that. And he's, he's a good dude. And he stood up and he, that interview with Sarah Lesky after, after, and he said, our hearts are broken. He said, it's brutal. And, he didn't have words for it. And he, yeah. Sarah was, Sarah was, it was an excellent interview. And he just said, uh, yeah, he just, that was it. It was just his heart's being broken. He didn't have much to say. But Jerome, Jerome Messam was the outstanding Canadian in this game. And he's ran really hard the last few weeks. He's an excellent player. He doesn't, doesn't have a great cup yet. And so this one for him and a guy who's getting older. Yep. This one for him hurt. It, and it hurt, it hurt bad. He wanted this real bad. <clears throat> and he, I'm not crying here. I just was out past my bedtime yesterday. <clears throat> he it's Grey Cup week. It's Grey Cup week, and it was this a wind, we wind down. Um, and and and, Jay, and James, he walked off in the media and didn't want to talk. He he was uh, presented the award for outstanding Canadian, and he didn't want to talk. And he left and didn't give um, the media interviews. And and like I said, J- Jerome's a friend of mine and and an ex teammate of mine. And and I would tell him, you know, I was almost going to call him yesterday when I heard he walked off and and and. You know, text him and say, "Hey, Jerome, get back over there and do it for the, you know. It's something you got to do, 
even though you don't want to. It's something you got to do because, like you just said, James, you you know when you're winning and things are well and you're receiving accolades, you stand up there with a smile and you you appreciate the love. And you know it's media's job to talk about it when things don't go well. That's part of that's part of the deal. So you have to stand up there when things don't go well, and you got to take it and 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 answer tough questions and and just you know it is what it is. I wish and I wish and I'm sure Jerome, if he took a step back, it maybe would would have uh stayed there but you understand the heartbreak from the man it's 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 tough and and uh and i feel for them today i get i get it man i get it you know we've all had a bad day and we've all you know whether you're embarrassed you're pissed off but you know what you still gotta own it you still gotta accept that responsibility and own it you don't want to say something haste like i get it you know give me five minutes to collect that's my thoughts. see there you go give Great. me five yeah. minutes you know 20 minutes later i'm sorry but like you're still fuming at that point like You've never gotten in an argument with a brother or a sister or a parent or a girlfriend or whoever. You know, calm down. All right, you take a moment. You know, I've had those. You know, you have those moments. You're you're having a, a you know back and forth whether you're texting, you're arguing or whatever. You know what? You wait. <clears throat> Let it settle down for a few minutes. Let the emotion side. But you know, like what? I, I don't know. I, I, I had a bit of an issue with it. Look, the Stamps, to me, it, it's funny. I almost see a parallel. We're talking about four of the greatest regular seasons over the last uh, four years uh, in CFL history. And looking at some of the numbers after this game last night, uh, you know, you go back to the 2014 season, I think the Stamps were 15-3. and three. They were 14-4 and four in 2015. In 2016, they have flirted with the greatest regular season record in CFL history, 15-2-1. And then this past year, you know, the bottom, you know, they, they lose the last three games of the regular season, but they had really had nothing to play for. But still, it was, it was still an outstanding year where they were 13-4-1. They lost just six games over the last 36 regular season games combined. And look at the numbers over their last four seasons. And... They've just, after these last two, they don't have a great cup to show for. They've got one great cup in those four years, but these last two, we should be talking about a dynasty, this era of the Calgary Stampeders, and we're not going to because history measures winners and champions. And to me, you could look at this Calgary Stampeders, these two years, if they win, we're probably remembering them the same way we talk about Doug Flutie and the Toronto Argonauts of the mid-90s in 1996 and 1997. By the way, on a side note, I had a conversation recently with Doug and Darren Flutie. Uh, we're going to share that in an upcoming episode of The Waggle. It's a lot of fun. They talk about their time together, playing together in the CFL. A lot of love for Vancouver, a lot of love for Calgary, and a lot of love for Toronto and Hamilton as well, and some Edmonton love too from Darren's time in Edmonton. So we'll get into that in the next few weeks. But... What do they do? Where do we they go forget. from here? Is this a team you, is this, and this is the question we heard people bring up last night. What do you do with this team now? They, they, they can't, they're not getting it done. What do you do with this team? That's a great question because they're almost like the Atlanta Braves of the nineties in major league baseball, where great records year after year after year, couldn't win the big game. And I can't imagine Kamar Jordan being back with this core after that, after the emotion there, do you want to go back in that room? The way those guys talked about you, your teammates. You, you've got Bo Levi Mitchell for at least one more year. So you've got a fighting chance right out of the get-go. By the way, Bo, just under 400 yards passing in that game. Um, in blustery conditions too, Chez. Like, you know, that's impressive. Uh, Jerome Messam. 
Uh, Jerome Messam wasn't the the dominant back he was in 2016, but he was still very good. And, you know, he was outstanding Canadian in that game. Um, you know, defensively, these guys were a little bit older. You know, is that secondary? Do you look at maybe trading a chip with that secondary? You said all year, you raved about that secondary in Calgary. And when push came to shove, Tommy Campbell, as much as we want to throw shade on Kamar Jordan, Tommy Campbell had two big plays go against him. And that's one of the best corners in the game. And he got burned. He got burned for a 100-yard catch and run. And then got burned by another one by Devere Posey in the second half that got Toronto up off the canvas. So do you look at maybe trying to trade a couple of key chips? Um, I, I I feel like you can look at everything as long. I think you you Bo is Bo is fine. Bo is going to be there, um, but I think you have to look at tweaking maybe a little bit because this team see, lacked the knockout see, death punch. See, they could not do the. Finish him. Yeah. So I look at it. I look at it like this. I say, you talk about last year not not winning the big game. You look at this year not getting it done. So is it you say these guys can't get it done? But I'm I don't buy that these guys can't get it done. I mean, if if just for example, let's use Tommy instead of keep on giving it to Kamar. Let's use Tommy for example. Okay. Who, the two plays he got beat on, in particular the one. Yeah, the 100, 100 yard one, 109 yards or 100 yards, 100 yard touchdown. He actually had good coverage. He had him. He had Devere Posey covered, and Tommy's. I like what he did because he went and tried to make a play on the ball, and he he's a long guy, so he actually tried to reach over yep. and underneath him. He just took a bad angle and didn't secure. You have to. You always hear you have to secure the upfield shoulder. I mean, if you go for the ball, you got to go for the ball, but you have to keep in the, his situation was keep keep your left arm, you know, outside of Devere in case you miss the ball. You can now secure the tackle with your outside arm, and he didn't do that. It's a bad angle, but he had good coverage. At least he went for the ball. Uh, so is that a stupid football play then? Yeah, it's not stupid. It's not stupid, but it's a it's a it's a bad angle. He took a bad angle and didn't didn't secure the tackle. The point. My point is, if Tommy does that. That 100-yard play is a huge play in the game. Let's say they win that game. So are you saying me, Tommy Campbell's not capable? This is my point. Yeah. Is Tommy Campbell not capable of finishing the game and putting people away because he can't, didn't secure the ball or secure the outside shoulder in that play? Is is Kamar Jordan not capable of putting two hands on the rock um, with with five minutes left to go up two scores? They're capable of doing that. It's, they're not a team that's, you know – that's getting out coached and out schemed in, in the big game, but they're not capable of winning the big game. It's just one or two plays here or there that they could fix. So mm-hmm. go ahead, tear this team up. That'd be a, that'd be a damn fool to do, to do that. And and John Huffnagel and Dave Dickens aren't 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 damn fools. So they they'll keep this team intact. It's still it's gonna be it's heartbreaking. It's it's gonna be tough to deal with this off season. It's gonna be tough to go through the whole regular season again, hearing all this BS and trying to get to the end, and then people will say. You know, can you win the big game? You got to hear this for the next year. It's painful. That's as an athlete, it's I can tell you. Right, I can tell you right now. That's this is the most painful loss any team could ever endure. This is absolutely gut wrenching, and I'm. I feel it in worse my, than last year. The OT way worse than last year. I feel it deep in my gut. You see my face right now, Sidball. It's gross. It's absolutely sick. And well, what did you say to me? What did you say to me yesterday? Because you there after the game, you were talking to another player. You came over to me and you were like. You you agonize more for Calgary yeah. than you do yes. feel good for the Argos. Why? <laughs> and, and because not, of and, this. And I, and I have that's that's the thing that's funny. And I didn't know the, I didn't know I had the feeling until I talked to and this guy is another guy. This guy played ten years in the league, and and we but we ran into him after the game, and and 
he said that, and I didn't even know I felt that way, but I was watching the Argos celebrating. I have, you know, genuine love for, you guys all know that I got love, love for Tress, and SJ's my guy, won championship with SJ, and, you know, there's more, I have more connection probably to that team than I do to Calgary, and I don't, you know, care who wins the game. By the I'm, way, nice of Mark Tressman to give you a shout-out in his press conference last <laughs> night. So Hi, I have, Davis. Yeah. <laughs> I have, that's my guy, I have, uh, you know, whatever, relationships. But bottom line is I watched them celebrate, and in my belly, I was on the field watching, and in my belly, I, I wasn't. I was sitting there thinking how bad I felt. I had this feeling in my stomach how bad I felt for Calgary, but I didn't know what it was. And then I went over, and I was walking around, and I ran into my guy, and, and he said, "Actually, it's it's Travis Lule. It's not a secret. It's not a big. He doesn't. Travis yeah. won't care. It was Travis, and Travis said, "Man," he said, he said, "Man," he said, "I see Toronto, and I have a tough time right now feeling good for Toronto." Uh, because I feel so bad for for Calgary, this is, I mean, I can feel how how much this must hurt. Mm-hmm. And he said, and because he's a Western Division opponent, he's like, and, and we hate Calgary out west. It's a mm-hmm. it's a huge rivalry. But he still felt more sorry for Calgary than he could feel happy for Toronto. Yeah. And I felt the same way, and I didn't know why. And it's because you know, uh, you know, as good as they were, as much as they've been through, and how close they were to greatness, you know, back to back probably, yeah. and to not. You're not gonna get. You might not get that chance again, and it's so close. And it was, it, it was so. I won't say easy, but it was attainable. And like you know, to put it mildly, it was attainable, and that that hurts like crunch over in your belly. Ouch! That hurts like heartbroken. Your girlfriend left you. If if you don't know, if you don't play, ever played professional sports, and you don't know how this feels. If you ever had a woman leave you, or a man leave you, or whoever leave you. And you and you and you can't do anything about it. Imagine that for another eight months. It's painful. Another eleven or twelve months, for that matter. So devastating, devastating for the stamps. And I, I think I'm with you in the sense that I don't know if this team needs to be completely blown up, but I think a little tweaking here and there, just for the simple reason that. Whether tweet, well, what's the tweak then? Give, give me an example of a tweak they need a position. You don't gotta give me a person, but give me a position and, okay. and why. Then if they need to tweak, why? They're they're the best. Every position across the board, they're one of the best in the league. Why do you need to tweak it? What's the because they didn't win the game, so you just changed just to make change? That, that right there, Jay, that's the, you know, what you don't want from a leader to make to make a change just because you should make a change. You make a change for a reason. Well, the fact is, you you're in it to win it, and this team has just had another dominant champion, you know, regular season, and it didn't click. So whether that, I don't know, a big play receiver, another guy who, somebody, maybe somebody who's a little more ruthless out there, just somebody who's just, who's an ice man, where, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good possession receivers that the Stamps have, but maybe there's a guy who, who offers that home run. That's a great, that's a great point. That's you know, maybe, there's that, maybe there's that. Maybe there's that guy. A great, that's, I mean, that's, that's second, actually right. What you need. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, is there is there a second? Is there? You know, they gave up the fewest sacks this year. Uh, it was the best secondary in the league. Like, do you want to get rid of those corners? Uh, no. But if there's somebody, you might be you might be get rid of them because one of them might be going to the NFL. Seante Evans is probably going going to the NFL. But yeah. So where do you go? And you know, this is going to be an incredibly volatile offseason as well, once again, right? I mean, when, and we're going to get into that. On, and Mitchell White know. was locked down again, by the way. Yeah. Uh, shout outs to Mitchell White, a friend of the show. He, he balled his face off again. Uh, another guy who's, uh, you know. He's, Mitchell White he's a, is a big fan of the movie Training Day. That's what he gets fired up for. That's what he uses mm. as his little motivational. Bad, yeah. the, the villainous Denzel Washington. He, uh, he gets channeled into. Uh, Ricky Ray becomes 
the winningest starting quarterback in CFL history. You won a great cup with Ricky in 2005. I do want to say, I do want to make this point just quickly because, and, it, and it's a remarkable accomplishment. We'll get into this with Ricky, but Damon Allen also has won four Grey Cups as as a quarterback in the CFL. The statistic is Ricky's won four as a starting quarterback. Damon came in in relief of Matt Dunnigan, who got knocked out of the 87 Grey Cup. Damon came in and led his team to victory. So Damon's got four Grey Cups. The, the statistic is greatest starting quarterback in Grey Cup history because Ricky started all those Grey Cups. So he's he's 4-1 and one in championship games. And it's funny to look at where he is. To me, it reminded me a little bit of the Peyton Manning run, whether this is his last game or not. Uh, and sure, to me, I think this is. And just the sense and, and what he was kind of saying to some teammates and, and friends just in conversations, hugging it out afterwards, where they're, oh, you got to do this again. And I think it was a lot of, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm <laughs> I'm tired. But, you know, for him to be healthy this year and for what he did, it reminded me of Peyton Manning in the sense that Peyton well, Manning the- didn't have the strength in his arm to, to, to completely pick you apart, but he wasn't going to lose the game for you. Well, as the end of your career, I, I sat down and did the one-on-one interviews with, with the quarterbacks the day before the game. You can check those out on, on CFL.ca exclusive one-on-ones um, with those guys. Uh, you can check those out. But he actually said, you know. Just he, watch the Ricky one now because Ricky won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Just watch the Ricky one. Uh, but, but, yeah, you can. Uh, he basically said he had to find, you know, alternate ways to, to get the ball down the field. He said he had to adjust his game. And he admitted, hey, my arm strength isn't what it used to be. And he's talked about finding different angles to throw the ball and just different things to do. And he also talked about, you know, possibly walking away after this game. So it's actually a good, it's a good listen. But you talked about Damon. Uh, he was also, not only did he, you know, did he come in in that game, but he was the MVP of the game. So if that statistic, uh, I'm not, I'm putting Damon right there with Ricky four wins. Because yeah. you can't, it's not, if, if he didn't play in the game or he came in with three minutes left and they were up, or six minutes left and they were up 42 to six. Then I wouldn't. Then it, then Ricky be standing all alone. But because he and was Damon a, did it in Ottawa huge, too. There you go. He, because he was huge in that game, um, and was the M- MVP. They both have four. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you. But you know, here's a guy who's a, a surefire Hall of Famer, even more so. But the guy who was supposed to have a dead arm, the guy who was supposed to be retired last year. What what stood out for you in that your game, time with that Ricky? game was not in Ottawa. The game was in Vancouver. No, sorry, but Damon's last Grey Cup. Uh, was in uh, ah, was, was in point. Ottawa, yes, so you know, point. kind of 05. the parallel, the, the parallels. Uh, two thousand four, Damon oh. won his MOP in 05, but two thousand four, yeah. that was and where, as Dave Dickinson joked earlier this past week, where Wally Buono made the great decision starting oh, him yes. over Casey Printers, which was a whole uh, gong show. Who uh, was the M- MOP of the season that year? Dame, Casey was Printers. Casey Printers was, and then Dave started in the, in the Grey Cup, yeah. Yeah, what, uh, I mean, to go back to history for yeah. a moment, but uh, Ricky, Ricky's remarkable. He's such a, an aw shucks kind of low-key guy, but what, what, st- what stood out to you when from your time playing with Ricky? Is, he doesn't strike me as a wild and crazy guy, but he he's more fun than I think he probably lets on, I'm thinking. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't talk a lot. Uh, but those are usually the guys who, who when they do have something to say, it's 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 a value, and he's like that with his, in his humor too. He won't talk a lot, but he hit you hit you with a one liner. He's a he's a witty and funny dude. You, like he's not uh, 
He's a witty and funny dude, definitely. He's got a great sense of humor, but he's just a quiet, chill guy. You played with some of the greatest quarterbacks in CFL history in this modern generation or modern era, uh, whether it was Anthony Calvillo. You played with Dave Dickinson. Uh, you played with Travis Lule, who's another MOP, and you played with Ricky. I played with Mike the, Riley as Mike, well. Mike Riley before you uh, kind of really became uh, Mike Riley, uh, but... But tell me this, is is he is Ricky comparable as a personality to any of those guys? Because mm, AC question. was kind of a low-key guy. Yeah, AC would be... Dave's not exactly yeah, a raw, raw guy, but he strikes me as a little more fire. Uh, no, Dave's, not, Dave's different than those guys. Dave's, Dave's more fiery and a little bit more uh, outspoken. He's not, Dave's he's not, not afraid a, to call a guy out. Yeah, Dave's more... I, I don't want to say competitive because they're all competitive in their own way, but Dave's more fiery. There you go. I would say Dave is is similar to to Mike Riley. Yeah, Dave not a big fan of uh, long uh, award speeches either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on a quick <laughs> note, we, we uh, on a, on a quick note without full disclosure, we uh, we were talking to Dave at practice the day after the, <laughs> the day after the award ceremonies. We were talking to Dave at practice. Their friend just kind of walked by and was like, Dave was like, "Holy sh!" Uh, <laughs> Basically said that they're lucky. That, the CFL is lucky that he didn't win the award because he would have got up and uh, introduced, bring a band. He would have said he'd bring a band next year for the awards and make people wrap it up. It's like the old <laughs> Chappelle show speaker about the rap. You need to wrap it up. Yeah, he's like, we got a game to play in three days. This is not the Oscars here. Let's get this yeah, thing going. This is go. about this is a football thing. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. funny. Dave was uh, it was a little less PG than the way we kind of put it, but uh, so Dave was probably a little more fiery. But uh, yeah. but in terms of the other. Guys, all yep. kind of a little more. So no, yeah, so yeah, Ricky. You know, Ricky is yeah, Ricky's a great a great leader, but by by his preparation and by his uh, you know the way he carries himself and the way he, and that's and that's it. And that's leaders come in all shapes and sizes and forms and fashions. And Ricky, that's how Ricky leads. And you saw him today. You didn't know in the first quarter whether you know it was the fourth quarter, the first quarter, or it was a preseason game. You can't tell the difference when you watch Ricky run around. And that's part of you know keeping that cool, calm demeanor keeps everybody else. Uh, you know, confident and, and uh, in a good place. Uh, Thirty-seven minutes to twenty-three minutes time of possession. Uh, I look at the numbers across the board. Give us some more numbers, just, just to show you the domination. Crazy. On this, uh, in the ru stat ru rushing yards for Calgary, seventy-four to sixteen. Average average yards rushing for Toronto. Average yards rushing for for Toronto. What was it? One point uh, five. One point five. You just want you won a great cup. How about this? Let's just. I'll drop this number. You just won a great cup against the Calgary Stampeders, probably, not probably, the best team in football, dominant team over the last two seasons, and you had you averaged 1.5, the Argos averaged 1.5 yards rushing, and and Ricky Ray threw one touchdown pass. You tell me that you're gonna beat the you're gonna beat the Stamps on a neutral field with a healthy squad and off of off of the bye weeks and the rest. Of, so are you, but you're gonna beat them. And you're going to average 1.5 yards rushing, and you're going to score one touchdown. I will tell you, you are out of your. You're flying over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> the Argos were penalized 21 yards more. They had total yards in the game. Calgary 436, Toronto 301, and a third of those come on one play. <laughs> yeah. One play. Wow. They there's across the board. It is it is mind-boggling how this ultimately happened, but as a fiery and a passionate Cassius Vaughn said to me, this is no simulator. This is why they play the games.
and anything can happen when if you were to treat this in a best of seven series calgary wins those series nine times out of ten i'm guessing right yes they probably win nine times out of ten games yeah but they but they didn't win this game and that's uh that's why that's why football's a special game and that's why uh, the great cup is often exciting and let's give some love to these coaches you know yeah. Corey, Corey chamberlain uh, he does a, does a, what a story. tremendous job. Yeah, he's there's a, another guy who's an outcast and a misfit, like the rest of this Argos team, right? Uh, well, he's gonna be a, he'll be a head coach next year. So somebody, if if he wants to be, somebody will bring him in. He does a great job. He's a, he's a great leader. Um, you know, that's that's the thing about coaches. You have to you have to be able to um, do make adjustments however you need need to. Whether it's because of your personnel, whether it's because of you know what somebody else is doing. Everybody can coach and call plays. It's about being able to adjust, and, and Corey's, um, you know, an astute guy and is able to make those decisions, and, and he's done that with his defense. By look at all the sub packages he has. He has like four or five different packages that he brings on the field just because he has certain guys that have certain skill sets, and so he has to be able to, you know, kind of maneuver that around with maybe not having stronger personnel as other teams do, but he maneuvers it around, and that's uh, that's what you want from a, from a coach. You think Devon Claybrooks uh, gets a head coaching job? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think uh, he's done a he's I mean, done a. Pretty, there's only so there's only nine games, yeah, right? Done, so you know what he's done he's done a very good job for a young guy. He's done an excellent job, and I'd like to see him get an opportunity. I, I also like to see Corey back. Uh, now there's a bunch of guys. Benny, you know, Benny's another guy who's continually doing great. I'm looking at all these defensive guys. I mean, obviously, you look over in, in BC and, and a guy who has never gotten an opportunity and has been. You know, at the top of the defensive ranks for a long time, and that's Mark Washington. Mark Washington, and he's a that's a good, you know a great leader of men too. So men too. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys who deserve an opportunity. And I'm I'm not saying everyone's name because there's lots of guys around the league. So, if I didn't say a name, it's not because I do. I'm just I'm hungover and uh, it's, it's early in the morning. <laughs> well, there's only probably two jobs that are going to be out there potentially this year, and I, it sounds more and more like Wally Buono might be back for 2018 so and june jones it looks like he'll be back too and june jones so other, that pretty missing? much leaves montreal you know and the situation but do you want to go to montreal if that's if that's your gig <laughs> i guess i guess there's a big asterisk in there so we'll, we'll see where that where things ultimately go hey, but that you can't Rick, you can't keep you can't keep the alouettes down for too long uh there that's the alouettes I mean, we don't we don't stay down maybe for they the should hire you well, they, make it they, maybe, maybe a coaching they, committee you bruno appel matthew Prue. And Etienne Boulay. I'll tell you what, don't hire me for the coach because I don't want a coach, but you can hire me on the committee to find a coach, and I promise you I'll do a good job in that because I know I know what it takes to lead a team and to build a team. I promise you that. I don't want to coach a team, but I would definitely definitely uh, be able to put together a search on who could lead this team. You played for uh, you play for a few winners. Uh, Ricky Ray, you think he's done? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, you know what? After what? After this and – and, uh, you know, two things. After how great this was and what they're building, he might want to come back just because uh, they see what they have. And they're, they're only to get better, too. That's the thing. This team was, like you say, they started so late. They um, they don't have the personnel that the other teams have, but they're well coached and they, they're building they're building, getting better. They'll, they'll only be better. So he might want to be a part of that. That's one side of it. The other side of it is, and he said it in the one-on-one interview, you know, you only get a certain amount of chances uh, to do this and you, you get a chance to, to go out on your own terms maybe as a football player but to get to go out on your own terms as a great cup champion that that those opportunities don't come so i he's got plenty of money i'm sure he's done well over his career i would if i was i hope he rides off in the sunset because it's a special story so uh that's where i'm at we um 
we'll just wind this thing down here. I do want to say congratulations to the city of Ottawa. And I know for me, uh, I, man, I was feeling the nostalgia coming back here. We kind of joked a little bit at some, a couple of events uh, over the course of the weekend. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to sell popcorn and pretzels at the old Frank Clair Stadium. And, you know, obviously those stands aren't there anymore. And But to come back and, and to, see, uh, to see what Ottawa football is now, uh, and people talk about lost generations that have been skipped in the Canadian Football League. But, I, I man, it was special. It was special to be there, to see the snow coming down, um, to, to have that game. The city made it feel like it was an event. You knew you were in a Grey Cup city uh, this weekend. And, you know, props to Jeff Hunt and, and, the, and what the Ottawa Red Blacks have done to make it relevant. And to everybody that has just embraced football here in the capital one more time. It was a fun, fun event. Uh the events were our nation was going off in the Aberdeen Pavilion, and uh, you know everybody, like you know, Rider Nation was represented well, and you know Edmonton fans. It was it was right from the beginning. As soon as we got, as soon as I got off that plane, I felt like, wow, here we go. This is fun. The Atlantic Schooners uh, representing our hotel. They're, they're yes, crew, they were they, going hard. They were, they were great. From they were here. We got in here Tuesday morning. They were already set up and, and ready to rock. So that's a that's another story that we'll, we'll follow. I hope it happens. I got some. I have some Definitely. maritime love because uh, my wife is from there. So I got some. Gives me. I would love it to happen. And all all her family and the people out there I talk to when I go back, they always ask me, you know, "What's this? we gonna CFL team? We will support it. We want a CFL team." I've I've heard it for years now. So. Yeah, I would love that story. I think I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and and the fact that they're talking about it so prominently, I think there's a, a recognition. I I think ultimately the stadium is the going to be the big thing, right? So the sooner that thing gets done, I think the sooner it comes to to real fruition. But I know Anthony LeBlanc, one of the key figures, good person, a guy who's got a good business mind, he's got a good track record. So uh, I hope to see it happening too. Uh, the weather is winding. Uh, the weather. It was a blizzard in that first half of the game. It was magical. The imagery of it was spectacular. You know, Shania Twain riding in on dog sleds at halftime. And if she was doing it without snow, I would have been going, what, WTF, what the hell are you doing there, Shania? But uh, Randy Ambrosi suggested maybe the idea of the season starting almost a month earlier. I think that snowstorm certainly led credence to that debate. Do you like the idea of it starting maybe a month earlier in the season? Do I like it? I'm on, I'm on the committee. <laughs> I'm, I'm, there is no there, the committee is me myself and I and I am on the committee. I think it's it's I think it's a no brainer. Obviously, there's there's a, there's opposition to it for for whatever reasons, and and that will be a process. And then nothing. Randy's Randy's a calculated guy and a, and, a, and a smart business and football man. He'll he'll figure it out. And as they go through with the board of governors and and everyone else that uh, is a part of it, but I think there's so many reasons why. Um, you want to do it, and please, do, and this is for tradition. Tradition is great, and I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for, I'm all for it. And this league's been around an awful long time, and you want to keep some things the same, but also you have to adjust. And, and if it's going to make it better and allow this league to to prosper for another yeah. hundred years, then make make change. And this, it, it's it's a the biggest thing for me. I always say it. People talk about the weather. It's not necessarily the weather for me. It's having our game. Um, be the main focus for an extra month or six weeks, whatever it is, because I know those first two months of the CFL season, it's all ours. No college football in the States, no NFL, it's all CFL, and that's across the world, especially North America. Mm -hmm. Everyone's watching. If we can extend that for a month, why not? And then also, like you said, James, be, uh, be it uh, you know in the wintertime, the game might not be so It's cold. cold. Well, I mean, the fact is, in late November, whether it's Edmonton, Calgary, 
Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Montreal, you know, even Toronto to a degree, although Toronto's a little warmer than those other cities, it gets cold and it can be uncomfortable for somebody to have to sit there. And we're not talking just a three-hour game. Great Cups are, we're talking about four hours, right? That's a a long time for somebody to be sitting in, you know, somewhere minus 15 weather. Like, it's not like you can sit there and run around. Like, you got to sit there and kind of ride it out. I mean, we've survived 105 years so far doing it this way, but... My only concern is if you move it up a month earlier, uh, if you run into the risk of the if in the Amer- if the Jays are playing in the playoffs or the World Series or the American League Championship Series, my only concern is that would the league uh, or would the Grey Cup get overshadowed? Ifs and buts and candies and nuts. There's, if if go. that ever happens, then we'll deal with that when it comes. Chan- do the math on that happening together it's not not great exactly oh well no and and that's it when you look at the stats and the odds of of it actually happening all the time i mean it's it's a small sample and landing on the same day of the game it's not yeah and it's slim i know i know there's some concerns with trying to you know open up when there's still hockey going on but you know what honestly i think at the beginning of june to me i think there's a benefit in the sense that when the season starts in late June, early July... No Canadian people, teams are in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, I, was just, yeah, I was just going to say, most Canadian teams are gone at that point. It's been 25 years since the Canadian teams won a Stanley Cup. So, you know, and now might as well, you might as well get rolling out here now at some point. Um, but when you look across the landscape, a lot of people go on holidays right at the start around Canada Day and, you know, take their vacation right at the end of the school year. This is where you have an opportunity where kids are still in school, families are still around for a month. I think it makes a lot of sense to maybe get things going in June. I, to your point, the standalone, the more I think about it, um, the only con that I suggested feels like a very, very small con. And I think uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think most people would still embrace uh, the start of the CFL. There is a concern about uh, training camps being at universities when school is still in session. That's a bit of a hurdle in terms of having camps in uh, April and that, but uh, that's the only thing. So... Uh, great time this past week in Ottawa. We had a lot of fun, and uh, we'll continue to uh, to roll things uh, going forward. Um, next week on the Waggle, off-season's looming. Lots of questions for lots of teams. This might even be a more volatile off-season than the year before, Chez. So buckle up, buddy. Uh, we got we are only the, warming up. The great thing about the off-season, Waggle, is that we get to talk mad junk about everything that we don't have time to talk about during the year because during the year we got to go over the games what's happening we can just talk about stuff that's happening around the league every week and we can you know hit that that fire i like like, a lot of times we're we're so rushed a lot of times not rushed but you know this you got to go over so many matchups and and things like that as, as the games go on and there's so many issues right now and stories in the league whether it's coaches and you know, guys going to the NFL and GM hires and, and, you know, all the things that we talk about during the, the offseason as free agency comes and all that good stuff. And the court, the crazy quarterback carousel that's that's going to be happening this year is that's like no other. This is going to be the biggest group of, of free agent and, and, you know, incoming quarterbacks that we've seen in a decade probably. So that's going to be, you know, that story starts now. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a good offseason, buddy. That's Davis Sanchez. You all know him as Chez. I'm James Sabalski. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us for another awesome year in 2017. Uh, diversity is strength, and uh, that's what the league's all about. And we won't stop the good times rolling because we'll be back again next week. See you, everybody. See you, everybody.